Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Stop feeling the pressure to have a perfect fairy tale relationship. It does not exist. Dr. Pepper Schwartz, who's a sexologist, a sociologist, she's a renowned author and researcher and professor. She's here today breaking down all those myths for us. She talks about love addiction and letting go of someone who doesn't make you happy. We know that one's a really tricky one. So I think this episode's going to speak to a lot of people. I really hope you enjoy. And like I said, you guys, it means the world to us if you share our episodes. If this episode spoke to you in any way, give it a share on social, share it with a friend. It really helps us and we want to just keep growing and getting better together. So enjoy the episode, enjoy the rest of Relationship Week and take those notes. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. Welcome to a mischievous episode of this show. So mischievous. I am your host, Maria Menunos. (laughs) This music is everything. It makes me so happy. Our quote of the day, we come to love not by finding a perfect person, but by learning to see an imperfect person perfectly. Sam Keen, to love and be loved. Why do I want an imperfect person? Yeah, I want a perfect person. I don't want I don't want some scum and then I find them to be perfect because they're imperfect. Do you guys know oh. any perfect people? Yes. Hello. Yeah. I mean, besides us. you, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone on screen right now. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Everybody here. We're the ones. We're like so perfect. So perfect. Ryan's voice. It's perfect. Guys, Pitch you don't perfect. know how perfect. <laughs> um, funny enough, we have uh, <laughs> acclaimed author, researcher, television personality dr pepper schwartz is going to be on you might know her as uh the expert on married at first sight 
Um, Jeff, I thought she was a doctor. She's a doctor. Did I? I hope I wrote that. No, you didn't. I just had to add it in there. And I was like, well, now I'm very nervous. She certainly does. She received her PhD in psychology from Yale. So she's definitely a doctor. Okay. So maybe just say Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Yes, I should definitely have that in there. So anyway, Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Oh, she's over here. She's written over here. Uh, Dr. Pepper Schwartz is going to be on. We're going to talk about relationships. Um, let's chat with Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Um, as I said, she's an author, researcher, TV personality. Of course, you guys probably know her from Married at First Sight. She's devoted her life to furthering the fields of intimacy and sexuality. She's received her PhD in sociology at Yale University. She's written over 25 books on the subjects of love, sexuality, and commitment. Right now, she's going to help us unpack how to maintain good relationships. Um, Dr. Schwartz, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Um, You talk a lot about um, quality time with your partner. I feel like we've gotten a lot of quality time with our partners. And for some people, that's not a good thing. My husband and I have been scotch taped to each other for 21 years anyway, So this has been no different for us, but for other people, you know, is it good that they have this much time? Is it something that inevitably they would have seen down the road um, that, you know, if they're having problems now that they would have happened inevitably, or is this something that just exacerbates it and you should get through it? Oh, I, I don't think you can underestimate how strange this is because remember, Even if you've been scotch taped to somebody, you had friends, you had family, you had children or adult children, um, you had other things to do. You had things that created space because, you know, it's a full life. Um, in this case, all of those things have been taken away from people. No friends, no family, um, and, and an overwhelming sense of dread and pressure. I mean, all of this is very unusual. So, I think, yeah, if you'd gone through the Depression together, you know, if you'd gone through World War II together, I mean, there's other exogenous things that really um, affect people. But this is extremely unusual. And I think it'd be important for people not to forget that because they think, well, maybe these were all cracks in the in the house we built together anyhow. But no, I don't think so. Those things happen in intensity like this very rarely. So I think people have to give each other a break and get through it. Um, on the other hand, I think it's really important to create space when you have none, you know, which is to say, okay, I'm going to go read now, or, you know, I'm going to take a walk by myself, you know, or I'm going to train the dog and I'm going to do it over there. But whatever it is, um, we weren't meant to be tied together. Um, we have, we evolved as a species that had to do a lot of things in a day just to get food, (laughs) you know, just to avoid enemies, uh, so we're we're cloistered in a very uh, unusual way, and I think people need to know that um, they need to use their resources to give each other back some privacy. But this isn't like they would have had this down the road. Yeah, I think I need to unscotch my tape sometimes too. I think everybody does. Yeah, I think when it's funny when my husband goes away, I do find so much joy in just being alone and like getting on my couch and reading a book and, you know, but I won't do that naturally, you know, when he's here, it's, it's odd. I don't know why. Well, I think um, there's this pressure to be a couple and be coupled and not to need to take time away. But I think that's, that's something that's from a different generation. 
Um, the idea that the woman is just always there to service her guy's needs. What can I do for you lately? You know, if you like me to be co-present, I'm going to be co-present. But that's something that we can unpack now because we're not the same as our mothers and grandmothers were. We have other, we have a different psychological inner life for that matter. I don't think our uh, grandparents felt entitled to have that. Um, I don't think, I think a lot of men felt that if they had an inner life, it was weak, you know, to think about, you know, doubting themselves or is this who I should be or what I'm doing, et cetera. So I think what we, the the new kind of mantra for psychologists is differentiation, that you have to be your own person as well as part of a couple. And being one's own couple means carving out the time, excuse me, being one's own person means carving out the time to be that person, to have uh, to see movies that your partner doesn't like or to get a hobby that's yours and yours alone or to have a journal in which you express yourself that that person has no right to see. Um, we are our own person and we're stronger together if we're stronger individually. Ooh, I like that. Stronger together if we're stronger individually. I like that. Um, you talk about assuming that romantic relationships are supposed to meet all of our needs. And you talk about how dangerous that line of thinking is. Can you explain that more? Oh my goodness. Just think of that. Just, just put that on the, that mantle on your shoulders. I have to do everything my partner needs in all categories at all times. It's just suffocating. I mean, we can't do that. And we also, if we expect, for example, our partner, unless your partner's a psychologist or a therapist or whatever, they're probably not skilled in telling you the things you need to hear all the time or being your best confidant. If your best confidant is your girlfriend, if you're a woman, or if you're a guy, you know, you, you like having parallel games with a, with a male friend, you don't really want to unload your spirit all the time. That's okay. You don't uh, have to have, you know, your partner, your, your sexual and romantic partner specialize also in being your best friend friend who understands you better than anyone else in the world, chances are it's not your husband or spouse or significant other. It's probably either your mother or your sister or, you know, your best friend. And if you look at your husband and say, he's not doing his share because he's not as good as they are, that's just a recipe for disaster. We can't be everything at an Olympic level. We can do the core things that make us happy to be together. And then we have to offload and delegate other things and say, it's okay. I don't need to get them from you. Because if you do ask that, we will all be found wanting in some way. Whoa. Okay, hold on. I want to unpack this a little bit because Go ahead. The, the, the line you always hear is, you know, your husband or your partner or whatever should be your best friend. And then that has a weight that's carried with it, right? So if it's your best friend, then the should be listening to you and should have, you know, helpful advice for you and all of that. So where does that line get drawn? And then if you are leaning so much on your partner to be your best friend, does that affect your intimacy? Yeah, because you're going to be disappointed if they have to be your best friend at the same level that your best friend is. I mean, there are some relationships that are like that. Most men, many men think their wife is their best friend way fewer women think their husband is their best friend because women have, have developed, you know, real skills by having close girlfriends all their lives, even in play as little kids, where they understand, you know, how to say about their fears, their deepest thoughts. Um, their other friend is keeping a running tab on how they're doing. Um, men often believe in, you know, like, just be there for me. 
you know, it feels good to have you around, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to talk about their deepest fears, their confessions, their childhood. It's a rare man who does that. And usually they're gay. And that's why women love gay men, because they are, in fact, soulmates in some ways that, that straight men really rarely develop until maybe 50, 60 years old. Um, they do. They do change. But the fact is, if you say, um, I want a man, let's say, as we're talking as women here, who has my back, you can have that. That's a really important thing. Your best friend might not always be there to have your back, but your partner that's there. That's delegated to them, you know, which is if I'm sick, if I'm worried, if I'm in trouble, um, we need to survive in this world. If we're planning a, a future, having your back is there. But your your best friend is not delegated for that. They've got their own world they have to solve as well. So it's almost like saying, what are the essential things I need in somebody? And then give them a little grace and latitude in the things that are not as important. And some of them might be, maybe your partner is the warmest, sweetest, most understanding, uh, psychologically complex person in the world, but maybe they're not so good at some other male role that you might've expected them to have. Nobody does it all at Olympic class. And the important thing is to find out where you can get what you need and not overload one system. What I would say, my analogy of that is if I have a table that is a pedestal and only has one leg, and if that pedestal leg goes, the whole table is no longer a table. But if I have a table with seven or eight legs um, and one or two is shaky, it's okay. So the seven or eight legs might be in this analogy, my work, my children, my, my uh, religious community, my hobbies, um, my, um, uh, my volunteer work. I mean, those might all be really important legs in the table. If you have them all, then you don't put so much stress on just one leg to support the whole deal. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content. And a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community? Or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment. And we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Wow. Do you guys have any follow-ups on that one? I think it's really valuable. I, I think it's um, heartening to hear a relationship expert acknowledge that relationships can't be our everything. I think so often we think relationship experts, their job is to tell us that this is the only thing that'll make us happy. This is our sole source of satisfaction. So it's very, um, it's very enlightening and kind of refreshing, Dr. Schwartz, to hear you say that's not the case. Well, I'm glad you think so, because I think it's really essential, particularly in today's world, We've started to ask more and more of our spouse, you know, that they should be our best friend, mm -hmm. that they should be psychologically sensitive, um, that they should be really great at creating romance, et cetera. When we have less and less time for any of this to happen, 
At the same time, we're asking more of our spouse. We have technology invading our life, making it better in so many ways. But, you know, we're supposed to be on the ready every single second on our cell phone. I mean, if somebody doesn't get me, you know, for a couple hours on my cell phone, they think I'm dead. You know, I mean, it's kind of like that. I mean, it used to be that faxes were, well, now it's instantaneously. We have because um, even in this uh, um, sequestration, even in quarantine, the technology reaches in and also helps us reach out. But we find ourselves increasingly learning about Zoom, learning about these things, and suddenly we're really busy. We have a lot of requests if you have little time if you have little kids, oh my goodness, um, because now you're taking them to 42 different kinds of sports, et cetera, when it used to be maybe baseball in the summer and something else in the winter. Um, and I don't think we realize how complex our lives have gotten compared to previous generations. So, um, you know, the, the, th- the thought is you build up everything else and you ask more from this relationship. It's too much. Yeah, it really is actually. It's really interesting. I've never heard anybody say that. That's why I'm really like taking a second to digest it because I feel like, you know, in this, in this world, you're hearing, you're my everything (laughs) repeatedly. You're my best friend. And there is, like I said, there's a weight to those words. Um, And, and I think it sets an example for people for something to strive for, right? Like, you know, my husband does happen to be somebody who is, very, um, connected to his feminine side and very, he listens and he's right there with you trying to solve issues like, you know, um, and, and I am the same with him, but you know, that's not always the case. Right. And it does burden us for sure, because, you know, you have to listen to everything. That's a lot. Well, and sometimes you have to say, well, you know, not today, you know, not right now. And it's not about you. It's about me. It's about what I need, what kind of space I need, what kind of contemplation time I need. I mean, I think what's really important is to create an embrace in a relationship of I'm here for you. I do have your back. Um, I love you. And now we can make it any other way we like. Mm-hmm. All you have to know is that. And then the sense is, is Um, I mean, I I have an unusual relationship with my husband, and that is that um, although we've been together 15 years, we've both been married before. And like a lot of people who got married later in life, we had, you know, whole commitments in terms of where we lived, communities, et cetera. Right. So instead of battling it out because he likes being on the water and I like being in the mountains, we uh, don't live together. <laughs> no. What? And we go back and forth to each other's house. You know, um, he was just here for four days. I'm going to go over there tonight, I think. Um, and I think we both really like it. Um, it's not the way I was in my other marriage, I, a marriage of 23 years. Um, but this is right for this time of life. And the wow. idea being, why can't you innovate? Why can't you figure it out? for you. It's nobody else's marriage, but yours. The question is, are you happy in it? Do you both living the life you want? Do you communicate about if there's any changes in what you're getting or not? Um, And are there some losses in any choice? Yes. Are there some gains in most choices? You hope so. Wait, I have to ask, how far away do you live from each other? About an hour. Whoa! Okay, so... So there are no rules. 
And that's no. another thing is we, I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves with so many rules of what it's supposed to be like that again, it's refreshing to hear, um, to hear that you made it work for both of you to be happy as individuals, like you said, so that you can be happy together. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the trick of it. And that's the, the creativity. Of it. And it's also true over a life cycle because what might've been just perfect. We couldn't do it this way. If we were raising little children together, Yeah, it just wouldn't work. You know, I mean, there are exterior boundaries that are real and true in life and, you know, you have to accept that and work with it. But when those boundaries change or when your life changes over time, the question is, who are we now? What do we want now? How do we get creative and, and still be true to each of us as well as to this union that we've pledged to support and love for our life? Um, it's a very, um, I think, profound thing to get married, to, to make a commitment to someone, however you phrase it. And that means that you're making a commitment to that individual as well as to the collective good. And all of that has to be in the mix is each individual having a, the happiest life they can while, you know, being committed to the inevitable compromises that, you know, creating a whole requires, but that doesn't mean that you can't be creative and do it your own way. I think where people get in trouble is they get some fixed idea in their head and they feel like it's unquestionable, but everything is worth reviewing and thinking out and seeing if that's the place you want to be at this point in your life, even though it was perfectly good at some other time. Wow. What, um, Dr. Schwartz, what are you, obviously you, you've studied love and it's been your life's work. When you look at the younger generation, what do you see good and bad? Um, and, and how would, how would you advise them to navigate in this world? Obviously with social media and, um, you know, millennialness. <laughs> well, I see a lot of good. Um, and I see, um, some things that I think people will have to work with over their lifetime. The good is I, I find a lot of the very young people, I have kids that are in their thirties. Um, as I, uh, very, very much concerned with the care of the planet, much more, um, much more environmentalist, I think, than my generation was growing up. I mean, I don't think we ever thought about where anything came from. Uh, but now these kids do. They, they have social conscience. Um, I'm very uh, excited about a lot of the social movements where people are trying to think of how are people treated in the world and what's my responsibility in that. On the other hand, this has been an unlucky generation in the sense that they've had two really difficult economic situations. First, 2008 to 2011, you know, there were no jobs. Everybody was taking these free internships just to get their foot in the door of maybe a job at some point. So a lot of people did a lot of sort of more service type jobs and temporary things. And I think they learned a lot about the wage economy there. And I think that gave them a sensibility and a fear too. I mean, it's not all good about, you know, how vulnerable economically they are. And bam, now some years later, uh, they've hit the COVID-19 retraction of the economy. So I feel for these young people, you know, I grew up in a situation, we didn't have to worry about that. It was an expanding economy. Um, that is not what people have had since really the early 80s on. So I, 
I, you know, have empathy for them. Um, do I think there's some problems? Yes. I think they've come way too dependent on technology. I mean, there's a, a kind of phone um, and um, music and on, on, the, on the technology um, kind of addiction is all I can say where, you know, I see everybody, I, I travel a lot or used to, <laughs> I assume I will again after all this. Um, and I see no one talking, everybody wrapped in these little uh, devices, uh, not reaching out to each other. And, an, and a sense of anomie and loneliness, I think, actually comes over people because, you know, not being in a community, I think, is a cost. Um, I do see some movements sometimes now that we can work at home or out of the big cities, um, sometimes into smaller communities. But I, I feel that we still haven't figured out how to use, particularly the young people, um, how to use technology in a way that doesn't isolate them rather than connect them. What about in terms of online dating? I think online dating is a great advance. It gets you out of your network. I mean, it used to be, you know, it was who you knew, who lived next to you, who somebody you knew knew, or the bars. And I think the, the technology of um, online dating is a, ra- a major advantage. Now, if you um, get get ready get into just swiping left or right, you know, I think that makes you feel like everybody's fungible. It's a bad place to get to. But what I've seen is most people sort of graduate out of that. They're tired of lots of bodies. They just want one body. And then they start being much more serious about it. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, For a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between. But it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Interesting. Um, I feel like, you know, I have to ask a question. I have a friend who's going through um, another breakup with the same person. And how do you advise someone who's breaking up with somebody that they feel is their soulmate? They feel is the one and they keep trying to hang in and they keep trying to make it work. Um, And repeatedly this person breaks their heart. How would you advise that person in that situation? Because it's like, how do you drink? How do you advise someone who's an alcoholic? You know, when they go to the next, they're going to open a bottle of wine and you say, um, you know, you, you, I love you. You drink too much. Let's not open that bottle. I can handle it or whatever, whatever, you know, it's just, they're addicted. Um, And love is addicting. Um, And I think people, um, this is the most, I wish this wasn't the most common story I've ever heard, but mm-hmm. it really is. There's that person gives them just enough, just enough to hope for better than somebody pulls away because 
they're trying to save themselves. And then somehow there was something that they were both getting out of it, that one person opens the door a little bit and the other person rushes in and they have a great moment together. And then the same cycle goes on. And unfortunately, it kind of goes on until something so crashes and burns that they have to realize that there's absolutely no hope. So as a good friend, you have to say, we have seen this cycle before. It's not going to be better. You are who you are. He is or she is who she is. Um, and they're going to say, you're right, and go back and do exactly what they're going to do. So as a good friend, I guess you can only say, here's what I think. Here's why I think it. And I'm here for you when this ends again. And I've, I, I have been that person, you know, I mean, I think I've been in when I was younger on one side of it. Now I'm on the person who sees it and others and tries to get them out of it and extract them from something that's really hurting them. And all you can do is be a good friend. I've certainly lost friends for a time because you tell somebody that they really don't want to hear what they'll do if they're not going to change is they'll avoid you because mm-hmm. you're the bad news. It's telling them what they don't want to hear. Right. They come back after the 14th burn or whatever it is and say, you were right, you know, but um, it's, it's a tough one because I think there's a love addiction every bit as powerful as heroin and other horrible drugs. It's, you know, you're, you're in a a circle, a cycle of uh, endocrine attachment where you're, you're getting the, when you get the reinforcement, you flooded with, with the androgens and you're, it's just a high, high. And then there's the low, low people get into that. Yeah. Is there any way if you are finding your love addicted to, to snap yourself out of it is the only way meeting somebody new? It helps a lot. (laughs) Of course you're so addicted. You don't either put the energy into seeing somebody new or you always find why they're not as good as, you know, the person you've loved. Um, It's, it's, Therapy is a good one. It does help. At least it gives you somebody that you know uh, that you can't pass off as some other agenda, right? Um, To go and find out just why you are so into this person. What is it? Are you trying to to solve some father deprivation? I mean, this sounds so raw, but often it is. It's that. Let's say you had a rejecting, powerful, successful father who never really was there for you. And that is often a background where somebody likes the conquer, conquering the unconquerable, because that way they're also doing that in a sense of repairing the father daughter thing, which of course they can't do, but they, they don't understand that the same emotional mechanism is going on with this person who's not giving to you and you're still trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I say to people, you know, if it's a Pomeranian, you cannot make it into a Doberman and vice versa, you know, um, but people will try. Now, sometimes 25 years later, people change. Age does have an impact on people. What do you want those 25 years to look like? Yeah, yeah. You know, those are real. And they say, well, we had tough times, but we came back together. How long did it take to do that? What was it that you missed and suffered during that period? My feeling to people is you deserve to be happy. If this is not making you happy most of the time, if it's only making you happy occasionally in moments of, you know, sort of wonderful feeling, look at the ratio of happiness to unhappiness. 
and look at the future. I just heard the story of this woman who, you know, sort of hung on with this married man for a zillion years. And when she finally said goodbye, he said, okay, and found someone else to play with. You know, people imagine they're this great romance. Well, that's love addiction. Sometimes it is a great romance, but mostly it's it's great because it's a romance and not a relationship. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Yeah. And that's such incredible advice again, is to look at the ratio of happiness to, mm-hmm. you know, unhappiness or just lack of happiness, right? You don't have to be sad or upset, but you know, you can also be in limbo, um, you know, really taking stock of, um, are you really having the level of happiness you want every day with this person? Um, and are they hurting you more than they're making you happy? I mean, there's so many things in there that you can do. I, I love that. Steven, I know you have a question for Dr. Schwartz. Go for it. I'm curious what your thoughts on, uh, like commitment issues and the fear of finding something better are. Cause like, especially in Los Angeles, I feel that a lot of people have this concept of relationships don't work because you're surrounded by options at all times and how to get out of the mindset that. I don't want to settle with this because there's something better that could be on the horizon. How do, do you have any advice for people to get over that mindset and maybe just realize the good thing they have? Or do you think that mindset's kind of an indicator that you're not ready for something? I think it's the latter. Um, I think, I think it's a form of narcissism. I mean, you always sort of like, 
well, what makes you so special, right? You know, I'm waiting for something better. Yeah. Well, what's, what's, why would somebody better want you? <laughs> and they, they have to think that they're, you know, so great that of course everybody would want them. And if they're feeling that way, if that's the way somebody looks at themselves, then you don't want that person because they've obviously got a tip sense of their own importance and market value. Um, a lot of times these, you know, masters of the universe are these really, you know, beautiful women who have lots of choices. Um, they get to a point where their choices winnow out because if they're going on, you know, certain kinds of values, let's say good looking, being really good looking, um, that may, that probably for most people doesn't stay at the same level of attractiveness. But also, even if they're a captain of the universe, she's very successful. He's very successful. That sometimes doesn't go forever. The question is, you know, what is it that makes somebody a worthy partner? And if it's those two things about how extraordinarily successful they are in the marketplace or how gorgeous they are, um, then if that's what that's what's keeping you in in in, in keep looking, then no, you're not ready to to settle down with somebody and create something special there. Um, and you should just broadcast that and tell people. The problem is that a lot of these people who are narcissists will do anything they can to make you love them. And then you do. <laughs> um, but then once they've done that, they're, you know, still looking and um, or still open. I think I think you I think you really um, need to ask yourself if you if you can't pick well enough <laughs> to find somebody who satisfies, you know, what you think you can build together for a future, um, then, you know, look to yourself as opposed to what else is out there about, you know, is, do you pick badly? Do you pick on the wrong um, elements? You know, I sometimes tell people when they're out dating, because dating can be a lot of fun. I mean, you experience a lot of different worlds that way, et cetera. Um, if you're really having a lot of fun at it, well, then, fine. <laughs> Just don't telegraph that that's not what you're doing, you know. And I also tell people when they're dating, if someone says they're really not into being committed or settling down, believe them <laughs> as opposed to see, oh, well, they just haven't met the right person. No, yep. believe them. So, <laughs> they're telling you. Yeah. I'm always surprised why people think that they can change people. Like if someone's honest with you up front, Believe them, like you said. Um, Dr. Schwartz, before I let you go, um, we have to talk about Married at First Sight. Oh, sure. Tell me, um, tell me what your experience has been with it. It's For us, like we were fans of the show, and I think um, it's always great to get to see the success that you guys have with couples. Um, what has this experience been like for you? Oh, it's been amazing. I've learned so much. I mean, really. Because one of the things we have in Married at First Sight that nobody has as a researcher or clinician is we get information on them pretty much 24-7 every day of the week. Um, and while, you know, we don't fill them after they turn out the lights in bed, we're not that kind of show, um, we, they do talk to us. Um, we get a printout of everything they did that day. Um, so we know what their days are like. We can go in there and help them out. Um, under pressure, people relieve a lot of, relive or exhibit a lot of things that they wouldn't, you know, just in the office. Um, 
we're not getting one spot conversations with people. So it's been illuminating to me. Um, I'm actually thinking now about writing a book about what I've learned, but um, some of it's bad. I've learned how well people lie. Uh, I wish I didn't know that, but, um, and I mean, how well, because, you know, we always think we're going to pick up lies. Well, there's people who lie badly, but there are also people who lie so well that you really have to discover quite a bit to know that it's something true or not. And in particular, if they lie to themselves so that, you know, you know, they're, they're not aware of it, but they mm-hmm. are. So that one's hard. I've, I've always so been shocked watching it, what people will say to each other, that so many people just have no boundaries of the kind of, you know, um, for lack of a better phrase, uh, aiming at the groin um, kind of conversations that are very hard to come back from. As I tell people, look at all of us can remember certain conversations from our childhood, much less last week, that really hurt us. They don't go away. Words matter. Please, you know, if you're angry, step out of the room, you know, or figure out what you can say that is not something that the person will never forget, you know, things like that. On the other hand, I found that people, once they develop trust, um, they could love a wide variety of people. What they would need is to find someone with those essential elements that they've been looking for. And there's quite a few people out there. And if they get one of those, um, they're going to be happy. They're going to, they're going to trust. They're going to build a foundation. They're going to feel loved. You know, if, if there's ever anything that has taught me that there's only not, there's not only the one, but they're the ones of a certain type. Um, I think, you know, I've learned that through this, this experiment. As a first time mom of the baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. I believe that too. I think that that's a whole other show at some point I'd love to explore a little bit more on is, um, you know, the fact that they're, that, yeah, it's elements kind of coming together and saying, this is what I want to build a relationship on, right? Here are the foundational elements that I want. And this person has them, you know, so many people are just stuck on a soulmate. Again, there's so many fairy tales, I feel like around relationships. (laughs) There are. Well, you know, and we come by them honestly, look at all the Disney films about the prince and the princess. Oh my gosh. We still dressing little girls as princesses etc. And, um, you know, we all love romance and we're just fed a lot of it. Um, and it can't help but sink in. So we, we sort of get this sense that, you know, there's a certain kind of thing that will happen that's magical and, and that will be the person. And some people, they find someone in that magical way and, and it works out. And that 
person who's an outlier <laughs> becomes the model, you know, yeah. of what should be possible for all of us. When what I've seen, particularly through Married at First Sight, is people do grow in love. They grow as humans and they grow in love. And the more they are with the person who has the the right elements of goodness, um, then that thing can flower and become just just extraordinarily elaborated because they put the time and the trust and the foundational elements of themselves into it. So I, I don't think people should settle, but I don't think they should, because settling, you know you're with the wrong person. You know, that I don't think is a good idea. But if you're with the mostly right person, you can grow that into a really great relationship. I love it. Dr. Schwartz, so many amazing bits of advice throughout this um, chat. Thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to us today. And um, I feel like... Uh, I feel like that was incredibly helpful. If anybody wants more information on Dr. Schwartz, I know Jeff Graham has it because I don't. Yeah, and I want to make sure, Dr. Schwartz, we're plugging two books from you. Of course, you've written 25, but Snap Strategies for Couples is really valuable right now because it offers a ton of practical takeaways for couples. And then your other book, The Normal Bar, I think those would be the most valuable too right now. But she has 23 other books, so if you don't want those, <laughs> you can check them out on Amazon. And of course... Yeah, uh, have to read them all. <laughs> yeah, and Dr. Schwartz, you're website is www.pepperschwartz.com. So we'll put that um, link in the summary so you guys can just click easily on there. Dr. Schwartz, thanks so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. I think it was fun talking to you. All right. Have a great one. Wow. Lots of good tips, guys. She is, I mean, 75 years of experience will do wow. that. You know, it's, it's um, she got her PhD in 75 and has managed. I find it very inspiring because she's managed to stay so relevant and on top of topical issues for five decades. It's crazy. Yeah. It's she's the Madonna of like <laughs> love and psychology and maybe the share. Do we right? dare the say share. the share? Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us as always. Um, in the meantime, balls. <laughs> be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.